evening, everyone. Welcome to Invisible, a masterclass on global education powered by Brain Wonders in partnership with Helios Educare, Ambiclass, and Furtado School of Music. This third edition of Masterclass will take you on a short journey of transformation. We are so thrilled to introduce you with 30 global educators selected from 30 countries. In this Masterclass, innovative topic, informative content, and progressive ideas are being shared with you. We remain hopeful that this and the forthcoming sessions will inspire you to bring about that possible change to your school community to a new, new direction of development. My name is Sharmin and I will be your moderator for today. I represent India's largest counseling organization, Brain Wonders. With 108 global centers, Brain Wonders has been revolutionizing the face of academic guidance, career development and personal growth via its US patented BMIT and online psychometric test. Founded by Mr. Manish Naidu over the past decade, Brain Wonders has been nationally awarded on seven platforms, including recognition for being the most trusted and digital, digitally innovative career counseling com company. Excellence and passion is what Brain Wonders strives for. And with that, let, let's begin today's session. Before I welcome today's speaker, I request all the audiences to immerse themselves and hold their questions as they, as they will be addressed right at the end of it. I present to you today's speaker, Mr. Nathan B. Swayson, who is joining us from Vietnam. Nathan Swayson has been an educational leader for over 20 years and has experience in four different countries before moving to Vietnam. Nathan attended Carlton College, Gustav Adolphus College, and St. Mary's University to earn a BS in education, a master's in curriculum and instruction and a certificate in educational leadership. He has been a principal in the USA, Saudi Arabia, South Korea and Brazil. And he is extremely excited to be a part of ISHCMCAA for the year 2020-2021. Nathan is passionate and has a love for children. He, he, he spends time getting to know each student and helps meet their individual need. He has high expectations for the school and students and encourages everyone to reach their fullest potential. Nathan does have one daughter who is going to college this year, but he cares for each child in school as if they were his own. His session today will provide us key insights into the use of existing knowledge and information towards development. Over, you, over to you, Mr. Swayson. Thank you so much. I appreciate the wonderful introduction and it was wonderful to see our video uh, from our school at the beginning there. Um, I hope you can all see the presentation there. If you can't, you can go ahead and pin the one that says Amy Swenson. Uh, there you should be see our logo of our school and the logo for the introductory session today. I'm so happy to be here and it is very special to be on this day because I'm sure that a lot of us in the room um, are very, have a lot of um, love for children and, and love for education. And it's just fitting that it just happens to be on Children's Day in India. A friend of mine is uh, from India and uh, we were talking the other day about how important Nehru was and his daughter and how it impacted the entire nation and how he's helped develop so many things. And, and Children's Day is an exciting day for us all because it's the reason why we're here. It's the reason why we educate and we educate our children. So it's exciting that I get to present on this day and uh, 
it's fun because I've done um, Children's Day in United States, in Saudi Arabia, South Korea, Brazil, uh, and now India. Uh, I'm not really there, uh, but I've been to Mumbai before. I just wasn't there on this day. But it's fun to take part in this day with you. I hope to celebrate our Children's Day here in Vietnam in June, uh, and I'm looking forward to that because this is my first year in, in Vietnam. So let's get started right away. Uh, you're all leaders, or you want to be leaders, or you have that passion burning down inside of you. And I just want to remind everyone that leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those who are in your charge. Now, that's not just our students. That's also our teachers, our parents, and our entire community. So as you move forward and make your decisions in education, I hope you keep this quote in mind. It's one of my favorites. Uh, today, during our session, I would hope that you would move through this progression. Uh, the bottom left-hand corner, the uh, round pink circle there, says knowing or making sense of what we're talking about. Now, as you make sense of what we're talking about and you internalize it, I would hope that you would be able to make it part of your life. So you're going to take the information in. You're going to be what we say. We're going to talk about a lot of things, and you're going to take it in and have it be part of you. But then I also hope you externalize it and share it with other people to make that impact. So it's not just about what I say today or what I present today. It's about taking what we say, using it, and then sharing it with others because, <laughs> all right, sounds good. So this is the graph that I want to make sure that you're doing. And, and once you share with someone else, I would hope that they know and that they, be, they, be, they live it and then they share it. It's a, it's a great way that I always start all my presentations with and I hope that that you all internalize what I'm saying and share it with others. So a little bit about me, just so you kind of have a background. I grew up in a small town in Minnesota and my father was an educator. He always said I was gonna be a teacher and I said that I wasn't going to. I didn't wanna follow in his footsteps and I never wanted to be a teacher and here I am ahead of a school. These are the schools that I was in uh, in Minnesota. I was in Burnsville. I taught kindergarten and third grade. Then I moved and taught fourth grade. In Big Lake, I was a middle school technology coordinator, technology teacher, and assistant principal. I was a technology integrationist in Little Falls, the LF there on the top right. Then I became a curriculum director, assistant principal in Malacca, a principal at an intermediate school, grades uh, four through six. And then I was a principal preschool all the way up through sixth grade in Sauk Rapids. Um, I knew there was something missing in my life and my wife and I decided to take the big leap and we went to Saudi Arabia at AISJ, the American International School of Jeddah, where I learned a great deal about living internationally. I learned a lot about being um, in a Muslim community and it was very eye-opening and, and wonderful for me. That's where I first started to meet people from around the world and have good friends uh, from all over, all over the world. I moved from Saudi Arabia to South Korea and was a principal there to middle school. I moved from South Korea to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And now I moved into Vietnam where I'm ahead of school. And everywhere along the way, um, I've used this, what I'm about to present to you, as a way to move our school forward. Um, I was a principal for 20 years, and this is my first year as a head of school. I wish I would have been ahead of school earlier. Uh, principal is a very rewarding job, uh, but I'm finding that as a head of school, I can make uh, decisions that move our school forward in a much quicker way. So I, I want to take a step back away from education and just talk about a jelly bean dar. 
Many of you have done this before where you guess how many beans are in the jelly bean jar. So if we look at this jar, we can take an educated guess. And I, I did this presentation with a group of students. Um, there's a, there was a group of students who sent me a message and said, Mr. Nate, you're really good at presenting to us. We love your assemblies. Can you teach us how to do uh, public speaking? And I said, sure. Uh, why don't we get a group together? So every Thursday, I meet with a group of kids who on their lunch break want to learn about how to become better speakers. And so I, I did this presentation for them and I said, how many jelly beans are in the jar? And they said, 500. I said, great. Well, what if we did it where we used a formula? You know, what if we found out the, the volume of a jelly bean and then we applied a formula to the jar? Would we be better with our educated guests? And they said, oh yeah, we could get much, much closer. I said, great, well, what's the best way? Well, the best way would be if we counted the jelly beans. And so we talked about, you know, how you guess and then how you edu make an educated guess where you know the volume. And then the counting is the research. And I said, it's really important that when we look at schools, we do the same thing. So if we guess about homework, let's just take homework as our topic. If we guess about homework, we think it's great. It's outstanding. Kids go home and do homework. And the parents and children are so happy as they do their math at home. And what we find out that we think, oh, practicing, it's, we watch practice, kids get better with practice. So we think that homework is great because of practice. But when we actually look at research, we find out that homework, the research is very clear that homework doesn't really help. Homework is one of those things that we think is, is, is good for kids. And we do a lot of homework, but it doesn't really have an impact until children are in high school. Uh, there's a limited impact at that time, and there's a lot of research out there that would indicate this. But, you know, we keep doing homework, and we keep pushing kids to do homework, and we keep having parents and children fight at home all night. Why do we do that? Well, if you look at Alfie Cohen, Alfie Cohen is a, a, a person who looks a lot at, at a lot of research. And the truth about homework, he's got some videos out there. This is his website, but he's got some videos out there. It says, no grades and no homework, you actually get better learning. And if you uh, watch one video on education, this is the one to watch. Alfie Cohen is, is a great researcher. He talks a lot about this and he does really good, re really good presentations on having no grades and no homework and you actually get better learning out of students. Now that's hard for us as educators to say, oh, we're gonna throw away homework. Parents might actually run us out of town. They might say, I want my child to do homework. I want them to do better. And what, what we do as a school is I tell my parents, we don't want them to do homework, but we want them to read. We want them to play an instrument. We want them to do jujitsu. We want them to learn to do ride a bike. We want them to do all those activities. And if they want to research something or do homework or do math, great. Let them do that. That's what they, if that's what their passion is. So at my school, my schools, we always have kids doing these crazy projects where they're um, building rockets and they're you know, studying research. One of my students uh, gave a whole hour and a half presentation on um, naval ships from the US. It's great. You know, it's one of those things where uh, you're using the research as a school to say, we're not going to do homework or we're going to target it at reading. So why do we do this? Or why is the question that I ask all the time? Why do we do what we do? As educators, we, we must have a reason why we do things. You know, why do we run the school the way we do? Why is it that kids come at a certain time and leave at a certain time, and in that time that we have them at school, why do we do the things that we do? Well, I love this quote as well. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. 
And you know, it's one of those things where I question my staff all the time. And I say, why do we do this? And they say, well, that's what we've always done. And I say, are we okay with that? Are we okay with keep keep doing the same thing, keep keeping on the same route? I said, we should always be looking. We should always be checking out what's out there. And I ask you this question. Are you comfortable with the status quo? Are you comfortable with what your school is doing right now? Are you comfortable as an educator with everything that's happening? Well, I never am comfortable. I always strive for excellence. Excellence in all I do. I push my team. I say, you must strive for excellence. You can't settle for what you have. So one of the things we use is this wheel. All right, this is the design wheel. It's you plan something, you do it, you check to see if it worked, and then you make it, you act on it, and then you plan again. So you keep going around in this circle. Well, I use a more intense one where we ask to see what our needs are. We check the research. We see what does our research indicate? What does our research say about what we're doing? Then we imagine what are the possibilities? What could we possibly do? Then we make a plan. All right, so we, now we know we've got our thing. Let's plan it out. Let's create a prototype. Let's make it so we can see what we're going to do. And then we test it and we evaluate the prototype. Now, once we test and improve, do that, we improve. We say, what's better? And then we say, well, let's ask again. And we keep going in this circle around and around and around until we keep tweaking things so that we have the ideal situation. So what research do I use? For those of you who don't know who John Hattie is, you need to learn. John Hattie has taken research from around the world and he's combined it together. Uh, I think this screenshot actually was an earlier one. It was about five years ago, but I like the screenshot because it pulls in a, a few things. Um, and what you do is you look at John Hattie's research. I'll talk about it on the next slide. But John Hattie took all the research. He said, here's the things that have an impact on education and the things that have an impact on schools. And if you look at the top one, it says collective teacher efficacy. That means good teachers and good teachers who know what they're doing. And so I strive as a head of school to always hire the top teachers. And if they're not the top teachers, we either train them or we ask them to, maybe it's not the right school for them. Um, so we work really hard on that. But there's things at the top here, student expectations. We, we talk all the time to our students about high expectations. I don't allow our staff to settle. We have high expectations. We always raise the bar, keep going. You can do better, keep working hard. We respond to intervention, response to intervention. That's a really top one there. And, and student efficacy, we want them to do things. The group that I met with, that I spoke with you about me presenting this to them, well, they are working hard on their own efficacy to be better public speakers. They're giving up their lunchtime to do that. We also have feedback on the top and direct instruction. These are all the things that have the biggest impact. And I'll talk a little bit more about what these numbers in the side mean in a little bit. But if we look at the bottom of the list, the things that have negative impacts, summer vacation, mobility, and television, those are things that have a negative impact. Another one that has a negative impact is retention. I hear all the time, well, let's retain the student. Let's have them stay in the stay back. Well, that actually has a negative impact on children over time. You might be able to find a piece of research that says one of these things have a positive impact. But when you look at the full body of research with lots of students and lots of analysis, you'll see that there are a lot of negative things that we, we do. If you look at homework there, 
homework has an, a rate of 0.29. Now to have one that's worth any of your time, you should have a 0.4. So 0.4 or higher, all has an impact that you should spend time on. Below 0.4, you shouldn't waste your time on it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go further. But what you see here is this is a screenshot of visiblelearning.org. This is where you should go and you can click on the Hattie ranking and you can see what the current rankings are. I'm not gonna do that right now, uh, but if we get into the question session later, we'll talk a little bit about what the Hattie rankings are and what we focus on. I also look at this, one. Of, this is one of the books I use too. It's What Works in School by Robert Marzano. He does a lot of research and he has some amazing things. I highly suggest this book as well. Here's a great book for you to do a book study with your teachers. It's really a simple read. It's called What Great Teachers Do Differently by Todd Whitaker. And then there's a principles one, What Great Principles Do Differently. And I quote that book probably once a week. There's a lot of things in there that I use all the time. And these two books can have a huge impact in your school. If you are a leader of a school or you have any influence, I suggest you buy the book on the left right now and you have all your teachers read it in a book study. It's a super easy read and it'll have a huge impact on the way your teachers work in their classrooms. There's also the MET project, which is for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which gives you a lot of great information on how to make your teachers be better at what they do. One of the things that we use a lot is the, uh, the thought in the MET project about the three things that have a huge impact on teachers. One of them is data from your students. One of them is data from other people, so having other people give you feedback. And the third one is student surveys. Those three things, if you can master those three things and give your teachers the proper feedback, it will have a huge impact on their learning. So once again, we go back to this wheel and I'm gonna show you an example of how we use this. Well, we looked at Hattie and this is the 2018 updated list and it said anything that's over 0.4, we wanted to focus on. So we took some of these top 10 things and we said these top 10 things we're gonna do really well. We're not gonna waste our time on other things, we're gonna focus on the top 10 things. So we said, let's fix our students with an intervention block. So we use the response to intervention, the Piagetian programs, and prior ability in our intervention block. Now what intervention block is, is that every day students will take an hour and they go to a group of peers, and I'll talk a little bit about what it looks like, but it's similar to this chart. This is a swimming chart. So if you're teaching someone to swim, you don't just throw them in level uh, four without them having the fundamentals of levels A, B, one, two, and three. So you wanna put your child into the proper swimming level. It's not about an age, it's about what they're ready for. And I've actually done a lot of swimming lessons because I was a lifeguard and I did swimming lessons. And what I would do is when I would take a new student and do individual lessons with them, I would start them at level A. And they would say, these are silly things. And I say, then do them. You know, let's go through level A real quick. And so we would blow bubbles or we would, you know, put our head underwater and do these little things. And as we would build, we would move people right through them really quickly. And we would get to the level where they were most appropriate. So I was assessing the students and putting them in the right levels. And we do that with our groups at school. We have all these different groups. So let's just use grade two as an example. Grade two, we take all of our students, all of our support teachers and all of our paras, and we take all the students and divide them up. We have an enrichment group, so our really top, top students who know the content. We have an above average group who really understand the content well. We have an average group who are doing okay in our 
in our classroom. We have a below average group, so they're struggling a little bit. We have an EAL team, and we have a special needs group. So a teacher takes each one of these, and an assistant takes a second group of each one of these. And what they do is they take the kids and they bring them at their level. So if we're doing math or we do math or reading three or two days a week, depending on the week. So let's say we're doing math and our kids are doing well in the math class we've been doing, and they're in the enrichment group. We take the lessons that they're doing and we improve on it. So if we're doing fractions, we do a higher level fraction activity that these kids will do. If they're above average, we do the same thing, but not quite at the enrichment level. Sometimes the enrichment level, we do some crazy things based on what we're doing, but the above average, we say, all right, take what we're doing and apply it. The average group, we review, review the lesson again, so we make sure that they get what they're doing. The below average, we take those kids who are struggling and we maybe redo the lesson or teach it in a different way. Our EAL kids, English as an additional language, those kids are actually getting um, the vocabulary that they need to be successful in the math class. So we're teaching them vocabulary, what they mean, we're teaching them in their home language so that they have that support going forward. And our special educational needs, we give them um, what they need to help and support them. Now, I like to think of this as ice cream. A normal class is the vanilla ice cream. And a student, where you pull a student out of class, they maybe get a chocolate ice cream cone. Well, it's not okay to take a student out of the normal vanilla classroom and give them a chocolate ice cream cone because they're missing the vanilla ice cream. So as we go back to that second grade fractions, if you pull a student out because they can't add and they skip the fractions unit and they go and get a, a resource lesson where they're being pulled and they're doing some maybe some addition, they don't have the addition facts, well, they miss fractions completely. They have no concept of what fractions is and they really struggle. So what we do is we call it a double dip. We give them the normal classroom, but we also give them the intervention block, which is the chocolate ice cream. So they get both the regular lesson and we give them what they need. Now, go back, going back to this for that math class, I just, just talked a little bit about it. The first time we did it, we failed. And the reason why we knew that is we looked at each individual group and we looked at their data. We did a map assessment and we said, what's going on? Our top enrichment kids are failing. They're not growing the way we expected. It wasn't that they were failing, they were doing fine, but they weren't growing like we saw all the other groups. Well, we looked at that second grade group and what we found is the teacher who was doing our enrichment group, she was just letting them play games. She said, well, they know what they're doing. They don't need us to talk about fractions anymore. And I said, no, 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 we're gonna switch the teacher because I need someone who's gonna take these rich kids and push them really hard. And what we did is we went through the wheel again and we figured out what was going on. And we did the groups again. And we found that our kids went from 40% of our kids meeting or exceeding their growth rate to 80% in three years. That means 80% of our kids were meeting or exceeding their growth rate. And actually, if we, took, if we took those kids who were close to doing that as well, it was 90%. So we had huge success by going back and back through this wheel many, many times. It was so important that we kept going around and around and around. And it took us three years to get to 80%, but we got to 80%, 90% if you include the kids who almost made it. So if you think about a battery charger, you can get to 80%. And then that last 20%, you're gonna kind of trickle that last little bit in. And so we're kind of doing that, we're trying to tweak that. And I actually left that school and now I'm at my new school, but we're working towards that 80%. And we're gonna apply this wheel there as well.
All right, I think I'm very close to my 30 minute time. Um, I'm open to have questions. And since actually I think I have a couple minutes, I'm going to show you um, John Hattie's Visible Learning. Let's see here, here's the website. So if I look at John Hattie's Visible Learning and I go up here to Hattie Ranking, you can see that Hattie Ranking here will, let me go down here. Let me see if I can go full screen with this. Okay, so John Hattie's ranking, if I go all the way down here and I look, Hattie's ranking is updated in 2018, so there are 252 possible things you can do. And if we look here, I'm just going to scroll down. I don't need you to read this. You can read it on your own. Go all the way down, and you look way down at the bottom. These are all the things we can do or that have an impact on students. If you look at the bottom, ADHD has the largest impact on a child's learning. Deafness, boredom, depression, moving between schools. So we looked at what this research meant because our school had a high population of kids moving around the world. Uh, they would come in for three years and then leave because we're an international school. And what we found is that as kids moved into our school, they would lose six months. Well, some of our kids were moving every two years and they were losing six months every time. So that creates that difficulty of keep, keep, uh, losing every time those six months. Um, students' feelings, televisions, oh, student feeling disliked, that's a big one too with our school because you're a new student in a new situation. When you feel kids don't like you, they struggle. Um, all these lack of sleep is one that we talk a lot about. Summer vacation effect on kids. It all These are all things that we have to know about. But there's a lot of things in here that you look at these. You could do a single sex school. We thought once, oh, well, let's just do all girls school. Maybe that'll help. Well, the research is pretty clear that it doesn't. So, you know, you can do it and you may think that it does, but the research is there that doesn't say that work works. Background music, does that have an impact? Well, a very minimal. Diverse student body, very minimal impact. So what I keep telling my teachers and I keep telling other educators around the world, focus on the top. Focus on these up here, the jigsaw method. I haven't talked about that yet, but this is something we do a lot. I say, do the jigsaw method. And one of the things we talk about when we talk about the jigsaw method is, if I take an article and I say, you read the first part, second part, third part, fourth part, fifth part, and then they bring it back and they have to teach each other. Well, if I'm responsible for teaching you about this part of this, this article, I'm gonna know it really well. And so it's one of those things where we've really spent a lot of time spending our time in this top 10 that has an impact on, on things, okay? Let's see here, I'm gonna go back to my presentation and I will take questions. Thank you so much, uh, Nathan, sir, for giving us such a wonderful session. I personally thoroughly enjoyed uh, the entire session and I'm sure everybody else uh, did as well. And uh, the whole session was very, very, very fruitful. And uh, the way you showed uh, various strategies to actually influence students and how to go about uh, changing those strategy strategies as and when you move forward. It was really, really good. So I would request the audience to either drop uh, questions in the uh, in the uh, chat box or either uh, unmute themselves to ask. Perfect. Do you want me to look through the uh, questions here? I can talk a little bit about this. I want to I want to make sure that um, you know this, that this can be applied. Uh, so someone asked about higher education. Yeah, I want you to know that what we do is we it's not so much you have to do anything I talked about. 
but I want you to keep in mind the design wheel where you have a problem, you look at the research, the research is the key. You know, you can do our intervention program and I'm glad to help you. If you email me, I'll help and support you. Um, I'm happy to meet with any of you if you want to send me an email, drop me a note. Um, but the thing is, when you when you look at the research, that's the key. So use John Hattie, use Marzano, use Whitaker, use those research-based things and don't just guess. I see so many times where people say, oh, we're going to do this. And I say, well, the research doesn't really support that. You know, there's some research out there for, for everything. And really, you just have to look at it and say what it is. And then I go to John Hattie and I say, well, what does John Hattie say? Because you can find research that points every different direction. So does it apply to higher education? Absolutely. So what does the research say about higher education? What does John Hattie say about it? You know, I think that one of the top ones I really love is self-reported grades. You know, how many times do we as teachers say, here's your grade? Well, what if we said to a student, what's your grade? And we make them justify what their grade is. And they say, this is my grade and this is why. You know, those are, those are the fun things. Those are the things I really love. So yeah, does it work for higher education? Absolutely. Uh, strategies for pupil teachers. Um, I'm not sure what that means. Like a student teacher or uh, someone who's just coming into the education. If you are teaching those who are coming in our education, my suggestion for you is to make sure that you get them to study the research. Don't just have them do things because it's what they think they should do. The research is the key. Let's see. Um, lots of research on school education and higher education is being done in India. The only problem is it's not shared with the schools. Yeah, that's so hard. You know, um, there's a lot of times when there's research out there, but it's not pushed out to you. I have to go mine my research. I go find it. John Handy's website is, the, is a huge place for me. I start there and then I go read the research. So John Hattie's will say, this is the research you see and then you go find it. Um, you know, and that's the thing. Um, the, uh, the, the homework situation, we were struggling with homework. We were writing policy. Then I went to John Hattie and I saw homework didn't really have an impact. And I said, what? How does homework, how does homework not have an impact? I mean, come on, we, we want kids to practice all these math problems. Well, when you watch the video that I suggested, it's really clear there's no research that would indicate that's a good thing. And I said, what are we doing? What are we doing? So I even showed the video to my parents. And I said, take your, take your time and do other things. Um, one of the things I didn't mention is there's something called the Search Institute, and they have what's called the 40 developmental assets. It's 40, 40 assets that your child should have that will help them be successful. Uh, things like having an adult outside of your influence that you can talk to or trust, um, playing a musical instrument, being part of an outside group like Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, uh, attending church or another organization like that, being part of a religious group. Those are all things that help build your child's character and move them forward. So if you're looking for other things to do besides homework, the Search Institute's 40 developmental assets. And the 40 developmental assets are all age-based. So they'll have um, one for younger kids, one for intermediate, one for older kids. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's a comment here that says, student teachers, research should be basis of each field. Absolutely. We should always look to the research. Uh, universities are not connected with the school districts. Oh, well, 
you know, that's a thing where we have to teach all these students exactly um, that we should be questioning. We should look at the research. We should do that. Let's see. Effective inclusion students with special needs. Ah, oh. so um, my schools, the last three schools I've been at, have accepted every child. And what we found is with our intervention block, that's where we get that's where we get the support. That's where it works. Um, we used to have a program at my schools, and in every school I've gone to, they pull the kids out. Here's your special session, and they miss something. They miss uh, social studies or science, or they miss math um, to do a different math. And I always question them, and I say, "Why are we doing this? Why are we pulling these kids out of these things? They're not getting them. They're not missing. They're not getting those pieces. How can you do fractions if you've never been exposed to it?" So then you get to be in eighth grade and they say, okay, now we're gonna study fractions and multiply them. Well, they don't even understand the concept of basic fractions. Well, then they get pulled out of math again and they go to a special needs class where they get sent in a class to do fractions. Well, if they would have just been exposed and the concepts, it would help them so much. Let's see, your research mind, mindness should be engraved during childhood only. Um, Yes, that's absolutely true. All right, with questions should always be making us restless. Yep, um, we always, I'm always pushing my staff. It's never the status quo. We never, we never let it go unless we feel like we're getting it. Like when we finally had three years in Rio where we had our kids meeting that 80% and 90% if we just lower the bar just a little bit, I said, we got it, let's keep going. And we were right on track. It was so fun to see. And then, um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but COVID hit, it caused us into a huge loop. It was a, it's a, it's gonna be crazy for all of us around the world to try to get back to where we were. It's gonna have uh, huge impacts on us in every way, shape and form. But the good news is the research out there that, that John Hattie actually did uh, looked at is that uh, kids learn well in online if it's a good online program. So make sure you're giving a good online program. Mr. Nate, can I? Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, good evening. I, th I think it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this is Dr. E. Prasad Rao, Chairman Paramita Group of Schools close to Hyderabad, this Karim Nagar. You know, uh, I think the, it, it's quite interesting, you know, the, to for the teachers and the leaders to really rely upon the research and its foundings, you know, when you really actually take up the teaching learning matrix. And that's very well said. Uh, having said that, you know, uh, uh, for example, uh, why homework is very monotonous for the kids, especially in the secondary grade, uh, probably the, the very nature of the homework that the teachers give uh, probably uh, doesn't evoke much of enthusiasm. That's point one I, I have really come across. And point number two is, for example, if you go for a flipped classroom, like a school becomes, uh, uh, you know, home, homework becomes the schoolwork. If you have a flipped mm -hmm. classroom, will that really not serve the purpose where the kids really do their work at home uh, with a lot of care and engagement and, and you know, with a lot of, you know, uh, involvement? Does it not uh, uh, become a possibility? Yes, very, very valid point. The first one I want to talk with you about homework being boring or homework uh, not being what kids should maybe do. Um, if you watch the video that I suggested by Alfie Cohen, he'll say it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's funny because he says, 
sure, give them different homework, but if you're going to give homework, at least have some thought about the homework. You know, I used to I used to challenge my math teachers to say, you need to give the children the answers. And my math teachers would say, what? We can't give them the answers? And I said, well, let me just put it this way. Let's say that you're learning basketball and you go out and you take the basketball and you dribble and you shoot. Well, you do it like this. You take two hands and you shoot it like this. That's not how you shoot a basketball, but I just spent an hour shooting it incorrectly. I spent an hour, now I've learned how to do it incorrectly. So I challenged my math teacher and I said, give them the answers. Let them shoot, the, let them shoot it, it's wrong. Okay, let's correct it right away. And so my math teachers kind of said, this is crazy, Nate, we shouldn't give them the answers. And I said, your test scores will improve if kids are practicing and they're actually getting that feedback right away because feedback has to be specific and timely. So they have to know they're doing the problem incorrectly. They look at how they, how they got to the right problem and then they can move forward. So if you're gonna do homework, at least give them the answers in math. I know that's, that sounds counterintuitive, but it's one of those things where if kids are doing all the problems wrong or they don't know what they're doing or they struggle, we should, if, if kids are gonna cheat, they're gonna cheat in any other way. This gives them a chance to do that. Um, your second point about homework, um, that it should be meaningful and done by the teachers and, um, wait, was that your second point? What was your second point again? Can you tell me again? Sorry, you're muted. If, if homework becomes classwork and classwork becomes oh, homework. Yes, yeah, so the flipped classroom. There is some research that says that does really help actually, where kids are going home and watching something. Um, flipped classroom is great if you do it correctly. So we encourage our teachers to give a short video that gives the kids examples and get them thinking about what they're doing. So when they come in, and if you look at John Hattie's work, um, let's see, if you look at the Hattie thing, there is previous knowledge or prior knowledge, and that's one of the top three. And we actually used it when we did our intervention block. Because remember I talked about our EAL students, our English as additional language learners, and how they struggled because they didn't have the vocabulary. So what we were doing is we were pre-teaching them the vocabulary for the next lessons. So that when they came in, they had that, and they were ready because they knew the vocabulary the teacher was gonna talk about. And we actually started doing that with some of our kids who were struggling. The kids who were below, we didn't go backwards, we went forward and we were pre-teaching them so that when we did the fraction lesson, they actually had some knowledge and they could keep up in the regular classroom. So very valid points. Yes, pre-teaching is great. It helps with the prior knowledge and helps build that resource. The question is, can you do it correctly? <laughs> and so yes, do it. Yes, try it, but also check your data. You know, that's what we do is we do something, we implement it, we check our data. Is it having an impact? Great. Let's try to tweak it a little bit more and keep doing it, but just keep on that cycle of checking your data. I can't emphasize that enough. You know, my staff, I say to them, is it really working? Is what you're doing having an impact? What does the research say? What does your data say? And what do other people say by looking in? So excellent points. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I think on every one of these, we could debate all day. <laughs> like the retention one, uh, I just heard last week, another person who runs another school said, let's retain the child. Well, they're a fifth grader. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, it's going to help the child for six months. And research does say the first six months are great. But what they don't say in that research is that they're 10 times more likely to fail. They're 10 times more likely to drop out of school. 
if they if you retain a child twice, they're a hundred times more likely to drop out of school. You get a little bump, but it doesn't sustain. The kids are they're more mature than their peers. They're uh, they know they were held back. There's so many long-term effects that that happen with retention. Plus, you know, if you're gonna do retention, you have to at least use life's retention scale. It's a it's a scale that asks questions like um, like some of the questions are are they do they have a sibling who's older one year are they the the tallest in their class are they the most mature in their class do they have any special needs there's a the lights retention scale is at least the very minimum you should do if you're thinking of retention and i would actually say to you it doesn't help it doesn't really help at all and it has such a negative impact oh more homework you know homework is always the topic parents always love to talk homework and I just say to them, you have to watch the video. You have to buy Alfie Cohen's video and watch it. So you can add something on homework. I'd love to talk homework. Maybe I should do my whole speech on homework. Go ahead, go ahead about homework. I think it's Mira, I can't hear you. Maybe you'll have to type your question in because we're not hearing you. I don't know if your microphone's picking up. Okay, any other questions for me? Now, um, oh, there you go, go ahead. Yes. People give the homework for the sake of homework or they have to improve the performance, how much what they taught, whether they have followed or not. This is actual intention, but people give casually whatever they like. So it's, yeah. it's not troubling the child, what I taught, whether the child followed or not, that is, that should be my intention. Then child definitely does. They won't copy. They don't rely on somebody else. Hope I am true. Yeah, yeah you know that's that's an interesting thing. If you if you watch watch the movie, uh, it's so funny because homework is one of those things that we always try to justify homework, or we always try to say, well, what if it's really good homework? What if I design a great lesson where we're talking about um, how much a tree grows in a year, and we go out and measure the tree and you know, it's it's just the research isn't there, and so um, I'm all I'm all in favor of doing what the research indicates. And homework is way down the list, so I focus my effort so much on the top things. Yeah, I would encourage you all to just go and read that list, John John Hattie's Visible Learning. Check out and see what what the top things are, and I bet you can say, "Are we doing any of those? If so, which ones are we doing?" And maybe so. What I did with my staff that was kind of a fun activity is take that list, share it with them, and say, which of these top 20 things are we doing as a school? Which of them are we doing really well? And which one of them are we sort of doing? Which one of the bottom 50 are we doing? Which ones of the bottom 50 can we not stop, or can we stop doing and focus more on the top 10? And my staff actually came up with the ideas. They were the ones who said, oh my goodness, we're spending so much time on these other things. Let's go focus on these other things at the top. And we had book studies and we had people reading research. And I said, you go, tell, you go find out what this says. I want to know what Piagetian programs is and what is that about and why is that so important and why is, it, why is it so important? And my staff came back and said, Mr. Nate, you have to give kids things at their level or what they're ready for. You can't give them things that are too hard or too easy. That's a waste of time. 
You can give them things that are a little bit harder every once in a while, but most of what they do should be a little bit at their level or a little bit higher. You should just be striving a little bit at a time. I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, if it's too hard, kids can't do it and they forget it. If it's too easy, they say this is boring and they stop. It's that finding the sweet spot. It's that finding that, that push that's going to get them over the top. All right, any other questions? You can type them in or you can unmute, unmute yourself. A good teacher has good wait time. Well, I guess that, that's it. I think I solved all the world's problems in one session. <laughs> yeah, the teachers do need to do their homework first. Yes. It used to give my students and teachers the results of research, ask them to find the research questions. That's what homework interesting work becomes. Yes, I totally agree. Get your kids to do the research on research. All right, so I think uh, without any other questions, I would challenge everyone. Oh, let's see, why teaching differs from person to person? I think it's because we're all trained differently. We all have a, a background that's different. You know, um, I should maybe I should tell you personally, my father was a teacher. Um, but he wasn't the reason why I'm a good teacher. Uh, it was my mom. And uh, my mom grew up in a very poor family. She had no money ever. Dad, Grandpa would put 35 cents on the table, and that's all the money that she ever he ever gave to her, and that 35 cents was for her lunch. She told me that all the time, and she said, you know, Nate, I never got to go to college. I didn't get to do all those things. Um, but actually, my mom is probably the best teacher uh, that I've ever known in my life. She was a receptionist at a medical center. She greeted people, but she was such a good teacher. She spent so many time asking me questions, making me think things through. She never taught me anything, but she taught me how to learn and how to figure things out on my own. Um, I have audio and visual dyslexia, and it's been a struggle for me my entire life, but I never really knew that because my mom always taught me how to solve problems and not to let them get in my way. So I was always trying to figure things out. I was always trying to solve problems. She bought me Lego sets. She bought me um, puzzles, you know, all those wooden little puzzles, all those puzzle boxes. Um, she bought me an, uh, a breakout box. I'm sure you guys know what those are, but a box with all those locks on it. And, you know, she, she challenges me all the time to, to do that, um, look at the research or to figure things out and, and move forward. It's, it's amazing. I think that that's why teaching differs so much. Um, you know, also a good college, a good teaching college teaches a lot of these skill sets, but none of this that I told you today was told to me in any college class I ever took. So I kind of want to go back and, and do teach, um, what is it, university by the people or for the people, where it's the free university, and kind of give this session for them. I hope that uh, you got something out of the session today. I hope that it pushes you to question what you're doing to take what you're doing and apply some research to it, check the data out once you've done it for a little while, and then come back to it and adjust it again based on more research. It's kind of a fun cycle and it it's, uh, keeps me in my job. I love it. Thank you so much, uh, 
Nathan sir, it was an amazing se session. Uh, you truly pushed out the researcher from us, and I'm uh, sure we are going to question and uh, bring out changes in our educational system and the curriculum as well. Um, thank you to the audience as well for being so uh, attentive and being so communicative, and we are hoping to see you, see you all for the next session. Thank you. I added my email in the mess in the meeting details. If anyone needs to email me, that's my personal email. Um, I'm happy to help and support you in any ad adventures you have. Um, you know, if you want to meet individually and you need some advice, um, I'm happy to help. But I'm not really the. I don't know how to say this. I'm not. I'm not an expert in research. I just know how to move my school forward. And so you guys can do this as well. Good luck in your adventures and have fun. Thank you so much, sir.